You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. This podcast is sponsored by the Fertility Roadmap, your guide to optimizing conception. The self-paced course teaches you everything you need to know to feel confident on your conception journey. Over six modules, you'll gain in-depth knowledge on hormones, how to track and confirm ovulation, when to take a pregnancy test, and strategic lifestyle shifts that are proven to enhance fertility. You'll also gain access to an exclusive community, monthly Q&As, and bonus downloads. Enroll today at blissberrywellness.com. Welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I hope you have had a great start to your Monday. As always, I'm so excited to be sitting down with you again and with today's guest. Today, we're welcoming Sarah Thompson to the show, and she is just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to all things fertility, all things pregnancy. She's the author of Functional Maternity, a fantastic book that it, once you get to that stage, I highly recommend getting a copy or even beforehand. I, it's a great pre-pregnancy read. Um, but today we're actually going to talk about something a little bit different than that. We're going to dive into fertility with her experience as a clinician and a functional medicine expert. Um, so pull up a chair. This is going to be great. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for taking some time. Hey, Hannah. Thanks for inviting me on today. Well, you know, the, the place that I always love to start before we jump in is just a quick question of how did you arrive here? Was this your long-term vision when you when you started school? Did you think that you would land in this place? What was that journey like? No, not at all. And it's it's kind of funny. I think everybody has, you know, their their lovely creation journey of how they got somewhere. And everybody's is roundabout. I feel like I've met never met anybody who, you know, is like from the age of 13, this is what I wanted to be, and this is what I did. <laughs> uh, yeah. sometimes that happens, right? But mm-hmm. our life experiences definitely shape who we are and, and how we end up where we are. And I could definitely do a long journey of how I got into, into the acupuncture world, which is where I started. Um, but that's a whole other story. We'll start with how I got into the functional medicine side and the pregnancy side, which actually happened. I think like most people, when I got pregnant myself Mm, Yeah, and I realized very quickly that there was a lot of lacking in care. And, and I hate to say it that way because I had fantastic providers they were lacking in their education and we're only as good as the information we've been given. And sadly, the providers aren't given that much information. Mm -hmm. And I had lots of questions because I am a very curious person and I already had a background in nutrition. I already had a background in traditional Chinese medicine, which are my based degrees. And I knew what my goals were with my pregnancy. And I had Again, all this curiosity on understanding the physiology and the biology and understanding how nutrition played into that, which is really the base of functional medicine. And nobody could answer the questions that I was asking. Hmm. So I went down my own rabbit holes of discovery. I discovered functional medicine at that point, did my certifications. I went down the path of doing doula trainings and every anything I could get my hands on to combine my maternity care love now with, with the new functional medicine idea. And so in a very quick synopsis, that's how I got to this point. And I have been doing this work. So incorporating the functional medicine and, and the traditional Chinese medicine side into maternity care now for, for 15 years. 
Wow. Well, that's incredible. And, but doesn't shock me at all having read your book and knowing just from that, which I'm sure is really a small window into your overall depth and, and knowledge. Cause you know, the book's really only just like a picture, but just seeing the the book, I can imagine it, your passion, your just depth of desire to understand those curiosities of asking more questions. I, I can see that it has definitely taken you places that probably a lot of other people have not gone. <laughs> yes, definitely. And, and places I didn't even mm, think mm. I was going to go. I mean, if you had met me in my younger years and told, told me then that I would have kids and I'd be working in pregnancy care, I would have laughed at you. I would have been like, no, no, no. I have zero interest in any of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. So, and here I am, right? So here we are. Yes. Well, well, I love hearing the stories, you know, the, the personal experience of, well, this is why, and this is, this is the what, because I think it's just amazing to, to hear everyone, everyone's unique story really is like you, you caught the bug and then now, now the journey has continued in that direction. Yeah. Uh, well, today I want to talk to you something a little bit different than about maternity care. Um, I'd love to take it back a little bit and talk fertility. You know, as a functional medicine expert, um, your and in your book too, I loved how you went before before conception. Um, that's such a critical window, such an important time frame. And so I wonder if we could just start there. We could start talking about fertility, talking about how functional medicine can support it um, and, and anything else from there. We'll see where the conversation goes. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, see where it goes. Absolutely. And, and, and preconception health, fertility health is the foundation of maternity health. Mm -hmm. What you do in that year preconception really affects not just your ability to conceive, but your overall pregnancy experience. And to some degree, maybe even your labor and delivery experience. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the preconception phase is a part of maternity care and is a part of pregnancy care. And that's why in my practice, I say when I, when I specialize in maternity, that's the preconception phase through the postpartum phase, because mm, it's all connected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking fertility, I think the most, most of the time, the people, people I'm seeing as they come into my clinic are not usually the, like the primary fertility clients who they're, you know, just looking for preconception support as they're coming into a first time trying phase. Mm. But these are people who already struggled or people who are having things like secondary infertility where they've had kids, they had beautiful pregnancy experiences, and now they're struggling with miscarriage or non-conception uh, and people who have possibly, you know, things like unexplained infertility yeah. where mm -hmm. they've done the gamut of tests and, and everything looks quote unquote normal. And there's no reason that they shouldn't be conceiving. That is where functional medicine in my mindset really shines for fertility. And it's looking at more than just an egg and a sperm. Hmm. It's looking at how nutrition, how the environment, how your lifestyles, your stress responses all affect different hormonal patterns and, and how, how these functions work because it is super complex. Uh, I have a, I have a download. If anybody's ever interested, it's a free download on my website, which is titled functional fertility that goes into the male and female, kind of the basic generics of how an egg is formed and how a sperm is formed and how they come together and some mm -hmm. of the nutritional things to that. If anybody is interested in, in that, mm -hmm. that aspect, it, it is a free download. Mm -hmm. yeah, and we'll those include, are things. Yeah. We'll yeah. include the link to that in the show notes for anyone who's like, oh, I want to get awesome. my hands on that. <laughs> Continue, please. Yes, because that's just one part. And understanding the function of how does the ovary work and what 
at what phase does what hormone get produced and what individual nutrients play into those different hormones is definitely the foundation of functional medicine infertility. But then you take into account other things. So if we're looking at, you know, let's just say secondary infertility, right? Somebody who did conceive it very well, and now they're struggling with with a secondary uh, non-conception or now they're having miscarriages. Well, obviously everything was working pretty good beforehand. Mm -hmm. So what happened during that pregnancy experience? Well, understanding the physiology of the pregnancy experience is again, the functional aspect. So some of the things people don't know about pregnancy is during pregnancy, there is a 500% increase in cortisol production. Mm. Cortisol is our stress hormone. And it takes on average two years to recover from a single pregnancy experience, even if everything was beautiful and perfect from an adrenal perspective. And so if somebody came into pregnancy already stressed, whether it was physical or emotional stress, they may still be in a recovery mode. And a very interesting thing about the biology is that survival is more important than reproduction. And if everything could be perfect, but your body is still in recovery mode for whatever reason, and it says time out, I can't do this. I can't keep you functioning the way you want to function and also take care of this baby right now. So we're going to choose you over the baby. Mm, yeah. And that's, and that's a hard thing, yeah, right? It's hard. Mm-hmm. And when we're looking again, from a functional medicine perspective, we have to go into, okay, we have to heal you from that last pregnancy journey because you're not healed from that for whatever reason. Maybe there was trauma in that pregnancy or that birth experience. I have a patient who I'm working with right now who had a very traumatic birth and she has secondary infertility. And it's almost like an unexplained secondary infertility because everything looks great. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we look yeah. at these these secondary co- uh, secondary infertility cases and they maybe they were nutritionally zapped during that pregnancy, right? Plus they were breastfeeding and, and, and they just nutritionally aren't where they need to be. They need to recover from that because that is a lot of nutritional yeah. work mm-hmm. during that pregnancy. But for her, it was a trauma response. Fascinating. And she had fear from her last birth. And that's also a part of functional medicine, right? Looking at this entire picture, the emotional and physical connections, how does the environment factor in as well? And we got her with a counselor that only works with fertility and reproductive trauma. Oh, that's fantastic. And it was several sessions Mm -hmm. in and she conceived and she had had zero conception. Right. So for her, it was working through that trauma. It wasn't supplements. It wasn't any of that kind of stuff, but that's still functional medicine, right? Mm -hmm. How does the body function and how do these things affect that overall function? Yeah. I want to just pause you right there because, you know, I, we, we talk about trauma in, in, in our community. We try to talk about it and highlight it in our resources and things because it is such a big deal, but I don't think oftentimes we realize how much a traumatic experience or incident can really impact other, other areas of the body. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one one thing that I think is so uh, amazing about functional medicine is it doesn't exclude trauma because it's, it might not have the, the large mass clinical study to say this type of trauma results in this, but it looks at each individual and says, well, we see this piece over here. Let's try to address that. And I think that's, that's so critical. It's, it's like a mindset shift of having to shift outside mm-hmm. of the, the, the box of, well, we only do things according to standards of care, mm-hmm. but just what you described right there, 
to imagine just, just working through that difficult birth experience to allow the body to be safe enough to conceive again. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Our mind has so much control mm-hmm. over our physiology and we don't really give it the respect it mm-hmm. deserves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had triggered a thought when you talked and I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) It'll come back to me. I promise. Eventually it will come back in. I think. (laughs) Uh, And then there's things like, okay, so other things for fertility, uh, talking about like uh, unexplained infertility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the things that we'll look at in those cases may be exposure to environmental chemicals. I just did a whole series on Instagram on endocrine disrupting chemicals and environmental chemicals and how that can affect pregnancy, but it can also affect mm. things yeah. like uh, like conception and fertility. And a lot of these chemicals have been shown to change uh, implantation, trophoblast oh, wow. growth, yeah. which, which if people don't, aren't familiar with that term trophoblast, those are the, the, the initial early embryonic placental cells. So you see that it can change embryonic development. Yeah, that sounds and, like oh, a big problem. It is. It, and it can be for some people. Mm-hmm. And, and people who have certain genetics are going to be more prone to sensitivities to these chemicals. Some people are exposed to them and have high levels and don't have any issues whatsoever because of their 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 actual biochemistry. And that's the idea. Okay, I found the, the idea I lost. <laughs> yeah. This idea of uh, this biochemical individual and how everybody is completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's why I don't promote generic protocols. And you, you read my book. One of the things I even said in here, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people got to the end. was like, okay, so where's the protocol? How do we, what do we use? How do we use this? Well, it's critical thinking. Yeah. You have to be able mm-hmm. to apply this idea and apply all of these principles to the individual that comes into the room. Yeah. Because I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to yeah. jump in and say, I appreciated that, that it wasn't just a, well, here's the five-step plan and do it and boom, you're on your way. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're going to leave people out. Not mm-hmm. everybody is going to get success when you do generic protocols and a good functional medicine practitioner should be able to think outside of protocols and take that individual and see everything from their childhood upbringing, their mother's pregnancy with them, their early menstrual history, uh, their traumas in their lives their nutrition and diet now, plus what they were probably doing as a child and take their stressors, take all of these things and apply it to this individual and the symptomology that they see in front of them. Because it's so much more than just physiological function and standard protocols, Mm. right? The standard protocols just, they just don't work. And as a functional medicine practitioner, I do feel it might be one area in which functional medicine has kind of failed some functional medicine practitioners is by giving them protocols and not teaching them to think critically. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. So a uh, little side note there. Hey friends, if you're looking for a way to gently support your body, your hormones, and just your overall well-being, then it's time to check out Agni. Agni's fertility line includes teas, seasoning mixes, and even cookies, all designed to help you feel your best and have better regulated hormones. You can head over to agniforall.com, check out the entire fertility line. It includes products for him and her. Use the code blissberrywellness at checkout to save. So anytime we're looking at this stuff, it is, you know, yes, even though endocrine disrupting chemicals and some of these things are associated with 
unexplained infertility, recurrent miscarriages, possibly preeclampsia. It may not be that way for everybody, which does make research difficult. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also sometimes makes clinic a little difficult because you have to be an investigator. You've got to be a detective. And with, you know, things like unexplained infertility, sometimes that detective work, you know, definitely gets away from the obvious, right? With unexplained infertility, some of our primary things that I look for anytime we have infertility is going to be, you know, egg and sperm quality, male and female fertility. I think sometimes we focus so much on the female side, we forget the male side. Yeah, and it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I've even had some semen analysis has come in where the physician said, everything looks good. And you look at it and you're like, but does it right? Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's conception, but if, if that sperm is exhausted and full of oxidative stress, by the time it gets to that egg, yeah, it may be able to get there, but if it's sick, it's not going to make it it's not going to have the oomph and the energy and everything it needs in those first weeks of development, that early embryonic development to actually become an embryo or to become a full baby. Maybe it goes partway, but it's not enough. It's not enough to get to the, get to the point where that placenta is fully embedded and, and ready to grow that embryo with mom's help now. So, so those are some of the things that we look at with fertility. We got to look at the whole picture. With unexplained, sometimes we are looking at things such as that stress response again, those toxins. Those things are important. Birth control history and use. Not something that gets a lot of attention in the fertility world, but we do see studies and more frequent recent studies. uh, The one I'm referencing right now in my head is from 2021. uh, The researcher on their last name, Briggs. What they found was long term birth control use lowered AMH levels. By up that's to 28%. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a, that's a huge drop. It's a big deal, right? So if you have somebody who already was maybe set up for a little bit of a weaker fertility because mom didn't do so great in her pregnancy, maybe she had some stress, who knows what, and she just wasn't born with awesome egg reserves, or she was nutritionally malnourished as a kid, and during those pu- pubescent years, her poor little follicles just didn't get the oomph they were supposed to. So now they're kind of sad and weak. Plus you add in birth control on top of that. Well, then we're looking at, you know, that early perimenopausal type pattern that is becoming more and more common for somebody in their late twenties. Mm. It shouldn't be that yeah. way where they have the AMH levels of, of a 45 year old mm-hmm. and they've been on birth control since they were 14. Yeah. That's a long time to be under that medication and probably without any early education about the potential long-term consequences. Absolutely. And up until probably this study, and even now, there's not warnings on that potential for lowering your ability to conceive later. Hmm. The other thing we see with long-term use of birth control is certain nutritional deficiencies. And these nutritional deficiencies are oddly, right? We're playing with your reproductive potential here nutrients that go into embryonic development, things like B6 deficiency. B6 is a big one. And it's something that we have known for a very long time that combination birth control does deplete in the body. There are colleges all over who have done various studies on B6 deficiency associated with birth control and increased rates of things like anxiety. Hmm. So a lot of people who take birth control, their anxiety gets worse and they can correlate that with low B6 levels. 
Fascinating. And, you know, it's interesting because I feel like there's a large portion of women who struggle. I mean, a large portion of women in general struggle with struggle with anxiety. We seem to be even more prone to it now, mm-hmm. but then to add that nutrient deficiency and then going into pregnancy, obviously B6 is not a nutrient. We want to be low in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big factor for like morning sickness. And, yes. and, uh, I don't know about you, but I would love to avoid as much <laughs> of that as possible. <laughs> yes. There was a really interesting study that talked about birth control use prior to conception and higher rates of morning sickness. Oh, well, yeah. it makes sense with what you shared about B6. Yeah. And then what do we use with things like diclegis, mm-hmm. right? Diclegis yeah. has B6 in it. There's a reason mm-hmm. there is that connection. Um, and you'll see studies that talk about B6 deficiency. There is, I may get it wrong, between four, I'll just say between 40 and 47%. Uh, there's a 40 to 47% increased risk of miscarriage when somebody has low serum B6 levels. Hmm. If you add a wow. folate folate deficiency to that, it goes up to 310%. Wow, that's dramatic. Yeah. Hmm. And wouldn't you know it, birth control also depletes folate? Yeah, another thing that doesn't get put on the label. No, no, but you will see there are studies that talk about these different nutritional deficiencies that are seen with people who take birth control. And when we say long-term birth control use, I think when we say that, a lot of people think, oh, that's got to be like a 10-year mark. We -hmm. start to see this reduction within like the first two years. Yeah, it's a a very short window. Yeah, it's a very quick response. And again, most of these studies are talking about combination pills, like the estrogen progesterone Mm -hmm. combos. Uh, less so on the IUD route, but you still see like for the IUD side, there is a slight decrease at AMH levels per that 21 uh, study with IUD use. Hmm. That is fascinating. And especially given how many women will be on birth control for a long time, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, we've talked about in other episodes and I feel like it's, it's an interesting thing to bring up regularly, but often, you know, birth control is not prescribed for contraceptive use. It's for, it can be prescribed for all sorts of other things. So early indications of a hormone imbalance, potentially that's an early indication of already some nutrient stuff, not being quite where it should be. And then to be on a pill, have an IUD for years and then get it out just at time that you want to start conceiving. Mm -hmm. uh, That does seem like it's a potential recipe for things to not really be functioning optimally when it comes time to actually be wanting to get pregnant. Right. And it, and again, it like, again, the whole uh, biochemical individual mm-hmm. it may not happen to everybody, but if yeah. somebody going back in history was already set up to have that mm-hmm. possibly happen, already had some weakness there, then this, this might be something that depletes their ability to conceive. Mm-hmm. And changes that and makes them have to work harder to recover from that to have a happy, healthy conception. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a big thing to, to be aware of too, just, just to know about, especially in this age where it seems like fertility challenges are becoming more common, at least whether they're more common or we're just discussing them more. I I haven't personally dove into the stats on that, so I can't speak to which, or maybe it's a little of both. Um, but just to be in an age where that that's, that's a really critical piece of information to know. So my question is, we've discussed that it, is it possible to be consuming or getting 
through supplements and increase in intake of those nutrients while you're on birth control to protect against some of that loss? Is that something that really, once you come off, you're really going to just have to be intentional to, to replenish those, those nutrients. How does that process work? I almost always recommend that when people are taking birth control, that they take a basic prenatal. Mm. It's as simple as that. And it doesn't have any, have to be anything crazy, but I would choose most of the time I'll choose an iron free prenatal mm-hmm. yeah. versus one with iron. It just, everybody's an individual. So don't take that, you know, take it with a grain of salt, please. Uh, but generally we're giving some sort of a prenatal-esque support while they're on birth control to help support uh, that, that extra need for those different nutrients that go into conception. Seems like it's a fairly basic uh, preventative measure just mm-hmm. to make sure that you've got a little bit extra coming in. Yeah. It's, and it's interesting to me that they don't, they don't just generally do that. Like, oh, hmm. if we're going to give you birth control, but here's also to compensate for this, this decrease. We do see that this nutrient drug interaction idea isn't new. We've known of it for quite a while, thanks to uh, cardiovascular medications, specifically our statin medications. Uh, it was discovered a while back that uh, statin medications, or cholesterol-lowering medications, depleted the heart of coenzyme Q10, and thus increased risk of other cardiovascular complications. And now it is pretty commonplace that when you get prescribed a statin medication, you're also told to take a coenzyme Q10 supplement with that. Ah, well, that would make a lot of sense. (laughs) So I would like to see that done with birth control. (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to say the same. That would be great to even just have that little note like, hey, this down the road, you're going to, you might be thankful. This, this Mm -hmm. is just a little, little thing, you know? Um, yeah, well, well, Sarah, I appreciate you diving into all of this kind of broadening our, our minds a little bit on what functional medicine can do for supporting couples, supporting women who are struggling with fertility. Um, if for someone who's listening, they want to connect with you, what is the best way to do that? Yeah, so lots of options. Everybody can follow me on Instagram. I post research studies. I post little tips and tricks and uh, kind of dive deeper into some of these different topics via my Instagram page, which is at functional.maternity. People can also visit my website, which is functionalmaternity.com, where I have some free downloads and uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of articles on there that they can look through, or they can also email me hello at functionalmaternity.com. So if people have questions, uh, if they want to know more about what we do in the clinic, they can always reach out to me there. If people are interested in becoming a patient, I always offer free 15-minute phone consultations before they ever schedule a new patient. If they just have, um, and they want to know if functional medicine can help them or anything along those lines. And those are kind of the best ways to get me. Perfect. Well, we'll include links to all of those in the show notes below. That way it's easy. So please scroll down, uh, head over to the Instagram account, check that out, head over to the website, learn more about what Sarah is doing um, because there's a lot of really good information. And at the very least, you're going to learn, you're going to learn quite a bit. (laughs) Well, thank you for taking time out of your day and uh, just talking to us. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and your passion. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me, Hannah. Well, for those of you who are listening, just a reminder, you can find all of the links in the show notes below. But with that, that wraps up today's episode of the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. And if you found this to be helpful, leave us a review. With that, I'll be back in a week with more great insights. So see you later. 
Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode.